God's great purpose in giving us a part in his work is that we may have fellowship with him, learning to walk with him by faith rather than sight. Those of us that have been called into this particular part of the Master's work recognize that the self-supporting work offers special opportunities in depending on the miraculous because, in many cases, the only way that a work of God can start is through miracles. You've been hearing these reports from the new project starting in New York, the new project starting in Africa, that's called Canada. Brother Wilson has said, there are men and women here tonight that God will be calling to these various projects. And some of you may be visitors here tonight that God will be calling into this work. The lessons that I have in this little study tonight are for everybody, whether you're on campus or off campus. Believe me, friends, we are in the closing moments of human history, and this world is not going to run easy to its end. Troubles are going to increase as they have been increasing in recent years. And those who have learned to walk by faith are going to go right ahead and finish God's work. Now, the brethren have just been singing this beautiful message about what Jesus did for us. Jesus came to this earth for two great purposes. He came to die for us on the cross. But before that, he came to live for us and show us how to live. This evening, for a few minutes, I want us to notice an experience in the life of Jesus that is a lesson for all self-supporting workers and everybody else that wants to attempt something for Jesus. It's the feeding of the 5,000. This is one of the incidents in the life of Jesus that all four of the Gospel writers tell. You'll find the story in Matthew 14, in Mark 6, in Luke 9, and in John 6. We'll draw on all of these. A text from each from the words of Jesus. As four men approaching a building, each from a different side, would give a little different picture, so the gospel writers, each one telling the story as it impressed him, those who were there or those who heard it from others, give us a composite picture. You remember the story that Jesus was on a mountain near the Sea of Galilee, and 5,000 men besides the women and children had been with him there as he carried on his medical missionary work all day long. He was teaching and healing and preaching. And as the sun was setting in the west, the disciples came to Jesus and urged that Christ should send the multitude away to their homes because they had had nothing to eat all day long. But as Matthew records the words of Jesus, and he was there and heard him, Jesus said, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. Matthew 14:16. They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. Now, did Jesus have a great wagon full of food there when he said that? No. No. There was nothing in sight. And yet, Christ, knowing that he was there by God's providence, expected his Father to supply the need. And so he said to the disciples, They need not depart. 
give ye them to eat. And then he asked Philip a question. John records it. When shall we buy bread that these may eat? Where are we going to get the food to feed these thousands of people? And Philip looked over that vast crowd, and he said, why, thirty, forty, fifty dollars worth wouldn't be enough for each one of them to have just a little. And the disciples were poor. I only speak the facts when I say they were a self-supporting company. Jesus was dependent upon miracles from day to day in the work that he was leading those men to do for God. Where shall we get the bread? John says that Jesus said that not because he didn't know. He was seeking to test Philip to develop faith in that man that one day was to do a great work for the master. Then he turned to others of the disciples and said, Now how much do we really have? How many loaves do you have? Go and see. You'll find that in Mark 6.38. In other words, take inventory. See what's on hand. And Andrew, after a search, reported the only bit of food in the whole company. He said, we found a boy here that has five little barley loaves and two fish. Two fishes. That's all. Now I wonder what you and I would have done under those circumstances. The disciples were being very realistic. They were using the scientific method. And they said, we can't feed these people. But Jesus says, yes, we can. And so he said, have them sit down. Luke tells it in Luke 9:14, make them sit down by fifties in a company. While Jesus' work is informal, it's organized. And so those thousands of people were seated on the grass in groups of fifty. And then Jesus called the twelve together, And he took those five little loaves and the fish. And looking up to heaven, he asked his father to bless that food. Then he started breaking the bread. Breaking the bread. Presently I see him giving Matthew a basket. Matthew, you take it to that group over here. He breaks some more. Peter, you take this basket to that group yonder. Andrew, you take some. Nathaniel, you take some. James, you take some. John, you take some. He keeps breaking, breaking, breaking. And with bread and fish, the disciples pass from company to company, seated there on the grass. And all are fed. All are fed. Oh, what a wonderful miracle, friends. I want you to notice how simple it was. There was no fanfare. And the food was very simple. Just the plain barley bread of the fisher folk of Galilee with the fish. That's all. Christ could have spread a rich repast, but this wouldn't have taught the lesson. You know the lesson he was seeking to teach them? That God is willing to use simple means to fill the needs that arise. Let me put it very simply this way. All we need, we have. All we need, we have. As I think of this rapidly expanding work, I long for workers who know 
that what we've just studied is so, that we have what we need. Will you repeat that sentence with me? All we need, we have, all together. All we need, we have, again. All we need, we have. That is, if we have Jesus. We don't have him, we never would get enough. Even if the Ford Foundation would start financing us. No. If we have Jesus, we have enough. Oh, somebody says, be practical. Wasn't Jesus practical that day? Didn't he get the work done? Didn't he get the needs filled? Didn't he get the people fed? Oh, yes, friends. He demonstrated that faith is the greatest resource that any person can have. Do you have that faith? Over a hundred years ago, there was a little college, became a big college, in what was then new country in Ohio, Oberlin College. And Oberlin trained self-supporting missionaries to go out in various directions, in North America and overseas. And one of the statements that was often repeated in that college was that in order to be a self-supporting missionary, a man had to be ready to start for the Rocky Mountains with nothing more than an ear of corn in his pocket. And uh, you may know it wasn't on a jet plane either. It was walking, or with a horse. It is going to take that kind of faith to finish the work, brethren. I'm glad for all the work that can be done now with jet planes and with printing presses and radio and TV, but listen, friends. The last sheaves that are gathered in this world are going to be with a hand sickle. The last souls that are one in this world will be by workers on foot, traveling as Jesus and his disciples did, and giving the one-to-one message. It'll take that in the times of persecution into which we're in. And those who do that closing work will see every human support cut off, There will be nothing and nobody that they can depend on as far as human vision can discern. But friends, those who have the spirit that Jesus had and that he inspired in those disciples will be willing to go right ahead and carry on and not stop waiting for the food wagon to catch up with them. They will believe that God will help them to meet the needs with what they have. For it is written, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19 Isn't that a wonderful promise, Frank? No wonder Paul in the same chapter, the 13th verse, says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Let me tell you the man who attempts to do what we're studying here tonight and what we're talking about here tonight without faith, he'll drown. He'll sink, he'll fail, but the honor of the throne of God is at stake for those who will have hearts of faith and simply obey God and trust him. All we need, we have. All we need, we have. But now, after they'd all had all they needed, everyone was satisfied. Jesus, the one who had worked this mighty miracle, and fed these thousands of people from the little basket of loaves. Then he said, what in some ways is the strangest command that came from his lips that evening out? 
gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. John, the sixth chapter and the twelfth verse. Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. My dear friends, if you could work miracles to multiply bread, would you tell people to gather up the fragments? Jesus did. I find that people waste fragments sometimes that don't have any power to work miracles. Could be there's a connection. All we need, we have. But equally true, all we have, we need. We have nothing lacking, but we have nothing to waste. Not a dollar, not an hour. Not an ounce of energy. We haven't any time to waste in worthless reading or in ordinary reading. I mean by that, friends, that every hour we spend in reading ought to be something that we know before God is of great value in helping us finish the work of God. Speaking of our daily labor, years ago, through inspiration, we were told, we have no time now to devote to worldly enterprises. No time now to devote to worldly enterprises. Thank God, friend. It makes my heart rejoice as I see that God is calling men from ordinary things to do extraordinary things. Don't misunderstand me. When you hear and answer the call of God to leave ordinary things and do extraordinary things, he may give you some very simple, humble work to do. But up that trail lies a miracle waiting for you. Paul the tent maker, Jesus the carpenter, Peter the fisherman, all the mighty miracles that God used them to work. Not to keep from work, not to keep from labor, but in order that the multiplied needs of the multitude might be met. Because, friends, let me tell you this. All the labors of all of us in this great Advent movement put together will never be able to finish the work. The mighty power of God must come upon his people. But that mighty power is not coming so that we'll have everything we want, and then some more to waste. Not a bit of it. We have this lesson to learn, this double lesson, that all we need we have, but all we have we need. Would you say those two things with me? All we need we have. All we have we need. Nothing to waste, but nothing lacking. Now, God is very interested in the individual. And as you put your hand in his, whether you're a student or a man out in daily labor, or you have some professional or executive job to do, whatever you're calling, in the home or wherever, God wants you to be a student in training to meet needs by combining work and faith and miracles. Therefore, if you are watching the signals of his providence, he will lead you in faith to undertake more than your limited vision might see as possible.
he will do this financially. He will lead you to make pledges in faith. He will do this with your labor. He will lay upon your heart a burden for souls. And you will say, I don't see how I can compass all this. God intended to lay on your hearts more than you could compass. Yes, he did. He wants you to be challenged. And don't miss what we studied in recent weeks about labor and rest. There's time for work and there's time for rest. And we are not to wear ourselves out in a fruitless, restless, frustrated endeavor to compass everything that we see. But on the other hand, friends, we are to expect that as we put all we have into the Master's hands, he will return it to us multiplied. This is what he did with the disciples, didn't he? When they brought to him all that they had, did he invite them to eat? No. He invited them to give, to serve. It takes faith to take what you have and start solving the problems of others. There are multitudes that are willing to help others after their own problems are solved. Jesus leads the way on the trail that is where we are called to solve the problems of others and let God solve our problems. This is the way he did it in the life of Jesus during those three and a half years of ministry. This is the experience that he's getting people ready for. And oh, I thank God tonight that there are men and women and youth and boys and girls here that Jesus is calling to full-time service for him. Full-time service for him. It's the happiest work in all the world, even though it be fraught with what would be called risk. Is God putting that call in your heart, my friend? Oh, if he is, don't confer with flesh and blood. Don't start to think about what it will cost you and whether you can afford it in time or strength or money. All we need, we have. But nothing to waste. All we have, we need. Now, I'd like to have us think of what this means in our spiritual experience. There may be some hungry heart here tonight that is longing for a deeper Christian experience. And you may think, oh, if I could only get hold of this, or if I could only have this person come, or if I could only have an experience like somebody else is having. My dear friends, how many loaves do you have? Look and see. And you look and you say, oh my, I don't have much. Do you have the Bible? Do you have any of these wonderful inspired books that have come in these latter days? Listen. If there's anybody anywhere on this earth that's having some wonderful blessings in his Christian experience, he's getting it through the messages that God has sent from heaven. The seed is the word of God. The power is in the word of God. And oh, my dear friends, remember that that same power that was in the word of Jesus when he healed the sick and raised the dead 
when he opened the blind eyes and cleansed the lepers, that same power is in his holy word. Let us, on our knees, from day to day, open the Bible and let Jesus feed us with the living word. But it takes faith to expect these miracles. Jesus knew that his father wouldn't let him down. He was there by God's appointment. And wherever you are, whether the needs of the people you minister to are physical or spiritual, or otherwise, you, if you have faith in God, will believe that God will help you as you put into the need what you have. It may be money, it may be clothes, it may be books, it may be a prayer, it may be speaking with people, it may be a hard burden. It may be that as you talk together, God will put thoughts into your mind that you have never thought of before. My point is, if you're going to be a worker for God in these closing hours, you must have a faith that God will take what he has given you and use it to meet any need that he brings you in contact with that he wants you to fix. And when we have this spirit prayer, it won't be a matter of saying, yes, I'll go here, I'll go there, I'll go yonder, provided somebody will uh, support me, provided somebody will take care of the bill. The whole spirit of this work for us is to go forward in faith at God's call and let God take the responsibility. This is unrealistic to the world. Human science will never catch up with it remnant people of God on this basis will go forward and finish the work. Jesus will come. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.